Good evening and welcome to Channel 9, broadcasting to Kingston and the surrounding areas. Coming up tonight, we have some classic programs for you uh, from the BBC, which have been specially dubbed for we. Starting at 7.30. <laughs> starting at 7.30 with Doctor Who having some trouble with some Cyberman. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, we're returning back to the Cybermen. It's the 1980s. Excellent. It's all moon boots and G-suits. Oh, get it right. It's all moon boots and G-strings. All that and more in this exciting episode of Doctor Who. And the complete menagerie. Almost. Welcome back, listeners, oh. to Doctor Who and the Complete Menagerie. Almost. Almost, almost, yes. I am Sam. I'm Greg. I'm Charlie. And we're here talking about Cybermen again. Uh, you can't get too many Cybermen, can you? But you can get two of the Cybermen on DVD. Hooray! Oh, nice I like link. it. I like it. Well, yes, we, we've got a competition. Which is always exciting when we have a competition. A cyber petition. Yes, we're giving away a copy of Doctor Who, The Tomb of the Cybermen on DVD. Is that the correct format? Yes, well, they discovered it. They found it. Yes. And now it's been rush released to DVD In for Hong you. Kong. Hong Kong. Wasn't it? It was returned from Hong, Hong, Hong Kong. Dear BBC, you might want this. Mm. First class post. All four episodes. Yeah, they're all in it. Yep. Clive Merrison's in it. We consider it to be probably the best Doctor Who of the 60s. Yeah. The Cyberman stories, for sure. So what you need to do is uh, review us on iTunes. That's that's all we're asking, and we will then pick a name out of the hat for anybody who reviews us on iTunes. And probably if you if you uh, choose to review us on iTunes to enter our marvellous competition, um, then uh, tweet at us so that we know it's there. But we'll probably recognise it anyway. But we had a lovely tweet from uh, Who37, which is uh, at... Who 37 podcast. Ah, okay. Check them out. So, and they say, just wanted to say, I'm enjoying the podcast. You, 42 to Doomsday, and at y- TYD podcast, are now the only Doctor Who podcast I listen to on a regular basis besides my own. Oh. Well, they just say, Missing Tom, warming up to Charlie. Ah. Will you ever record specials, and that's in uh, inverted commas, specials, for... Davison. Not sure who that who that is. Probably mean Davidson. Um, or Pertwee. <laughs> Davo, surely. Davo. Keep up the good work. Hashtag I like it. What's that a reference to? I like it. I like it. Oh, Freddie. <laughs> Can't think. Well, thank you very much at Who Thirty Seven Podcast for that lovely feedback. Have we had any other? Um, we, have we had any uh, listeners' revolts over our change of casting? Is there, is there a Bring Back Tom campaign? Are people wearing T-shirts in the streets? The Menagerie has always been a quartet. Mm. And uh, we can change that quartet at any point in time. We, yeah. we can always do that. Tom is still around. He's not dead. Yeah. He's just busy doing other things and he will return. Tom Bailey will return. Like James Bond. 
Like Davros. Yeah. Yes. We're and a quartet with three people in it. And there's also a missing episode of The Menagerie where Tom is involved. It's yet mm. to be uh, aired and edited oh, together, really? so that might yeah. come back in future. So there's still, yeah. there's still Tom. And you know what? He still closes every episode. Yes. You can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie. And we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. It Talking does. about his inside leg measurements. Yes. yes. And that sort of thing. If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle. And other twaddle. Yes. Well, so if if you'd like to, uh, I don't know why I'm, I'm stretching my arms out. And being incredibly, <laughs> he's like doing very Shirley Bassey. <laughs> yeah. Just stretching. Maximum, Maximum power. <laughs> Sorry, folks, you well, can't see that. It's a visual gag. Yes, the, the, the late Jackie Pierce. Actually, you may have heard a hiss slightly earlier in the episode because I've just opened um, a Crowdens. A Crowdens. Here we are. Oh, uh, which I hadn't named. It was a batch I hadn't named. It's a it's a golden IPA, and I'm going to refurbish uh, the glasses here because it's thirsty work talking to you a lot but, Have you uh, done a gravity test on it? Uh, I, I did but I did it a bit late in the day so it, I think it's about 5% because it wasn't an accurate I think it's strong It's rocket fuel, yeah. I've, yeah. Had, I've had one and I'm feeling a little bit squiffy yeah. <laughs> I had half a glass full and I really struggled opening the episode yeah. It was yeah. brewed in the, the height of summer when I, uh, so it was quite hot and I think that helped the uh, yeast to do its magic. But Charlie, you came up with a name for it. Yes, I thought about uh, Crowden's invention. Mm. Because Soldy does mm. say, this is my invention. Oh. So we're enjoying a Crowden's invention as we speak to It's today. delicious. Thank you, Greg. It's, it's very good. It's really lovely. You're welcome. So you've given us details about the competition. You've given us a, a, a noglet to enjoy throughout this yes. episode. Are you going to give us a line? Yes, I do have a line. <clears throat> Northmore is a nuclear waste <laughs> plant. <laughs> Edge of distraction. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Anyone who breaks in will be met with ultimate Edge force. of darkness. Yes. Edge of distraction. Is this bloody balance? <laughs> 9%. 5%. We have Charlie here because he always gets things right, but now he's going, yeah, that, that one's, yeah. Genesis of the Cybermen. Six episodes. Great episode. Scaro. Scaro. Let's go Scaro. Yes. Eddie Yeager. I'll get it off the set. <laughs> <laughs> on cassette. <laughs> yes, that one was called Scaro. <laughs> Come on, bro. give us the right line. Okay. Pissed after one. Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> As your most recent ally and the newest member to stand in this great Universal Council, uh, I am delighted to be able to make so significant a contribution to our conquest of the universe. Is that Ainley in? Logopolis. No. Sounds like it. Say it again. As your most recent ally and the newest member to stand in this great Universal Council, I am delighted to be able to make so significant a contribution to our conquest of the universe. Okay. Oh, it's Mavic Chen. It is. Well, it is Mavic Chen. I was going to say it's Jean-Claude Juncker of the EU, but um, <laughs> similar sort of character. It's the following line for Is some blue as well. <laughs> Is it general? No, it's just drunk. You might have to cut that. <laughs> Jean-Claude Drunker. <laughs> so, back to the agenda. This is part four of our cyber special, and we're going straight into the 80s. And in the time-space visualiser, it's the one and only Earthshock. Yes! It's a time-space visualiser. Did 
show we always rave about Remembrance of the Daleks being something which really kicked mm. off and rebooted the 30 years Daleks, ago. 30 years ago. But Earthshock quite did the impossible. It brought the Cybermen back after a, a complete failure in the 70s mm. and really established them as, you know, the next wave of Doctor Who monsters in the 80s mm. that were going to be a big impact. Mm, yeah. And didn't it work? But why? Because they'd been a bit of a damp squib in the 70s. So who, who was the driving force saying... Bring back the Cybermen. Was, was it, it Eric Davo? Seawood? Davo, Davo, I heard. Oh, Davo, yeah. Was it really? Mm. He was keen on bringing them back, and I think John Nathan Turner was a bit hesitant, wasn't he, at first? Was he really? Because he was very keen on bringing stuff back, wasn't he? Not at that point. That's right. right. Not until right. the previous. Not till the season after. This. Ah, okay. Mm. The twentieth anniversary. Mm. And it was recorded in '81, wasn't it? So written in '81. Mm. Early days for John in the role, mm. you know, as producer. He'd done one season with Tom. Yes. Very much all new material, new characters all the way through. Nobody recurring apart from the master. Mm. That was it. Davo was the new boy on the block. Yep. You know, it was very brave. It's the end of uh, Davo's uh, first season in the role, isn't it? And apart then from time flight. Do you know, that doesn't count. <laughs> it almost makes you think. You know, they could, he could have just said, "Look, we need a." Why don't we just cancel Time Flight and the 50p can go back into Earthshock? Because <laughs> yeah. they clearly blew it on Earthshock. Yeah, he, yeah. he blew his beans yeah. on Earthshock and had nothing to spend. <laughs> It'd be inconceivable he now, did, wouldn't it? You know, you, 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 Season you, finale. You would end it with the Cybermen returning and a companion being killed. Bang. Crash, bang, wallet, big finale, end of season. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody now would sort of tack on time flight. Really. It's fucking terrible. Well, the season 21's the same with mm. the Twin Dilemma. Oh, you know, God. Yeah. Finish off with, yeah, yeah. with Androzani. Yeah. Wow, everyone's in tears. And yes. then next week, Calamity. Yes. It's the Twin Dilemma. But to finish off the season. New Doctor Who. Yes, but, but, you have, but you have the public has in their mind this, this arsehole mm. as the new Doctor for the mm. next nine. 10, 12 months before the next, next season starts. Years, yeah. Exactly. They're going to wait until the next season to see what happens next. But the, the public perception for almost a year was the Doctor's a wanker. Mm. So, do you think in, by that token that uh, Time Flight undid all the good that Earthshock may have established with the public? I think so. I don't think people <clears throat> looked at television in those days. Nothing really went into a big finale, did it? Any long running show. No. There's never a sort of big end of season finale like they do now, which is quite commonplace. But no, but Earthshock would have been considered that if it had ended on. Well, it would. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had the death of Adric, but then again, mm. like like uh, Androzani, you ending on a death. Mm. Can you end the season on a on a very downer note, on a, on a very bleak mm. kind of point? And uh, the answer is no, you can't. You've got to wrap it up somehow. Right. And the fact that it was Twin Dilemma and Time Flight is unfortunate. Mm. Um, and shouldn't have happened, but that's. But well, the they would with something like Breaking Bad, wouldn't they? They'd yeah, but that's, quite happy that's for adults, isn't it? For children, is it? Mm. So it's just because it was for children. It would be a bit so. much to leave it on the death of Adric. Yes, mm. that's why they brought him back in in uh, mm. in the time flight, didn't they? Saying, "Don't worry, kiddies, the actor's fine. Look, he's turned up in this." He's, well, was that also in the Radio Times listing? Yeah. <laughs> Which is also true, but I didn't. I think John Nathan Turner said in his memoirs he had so many letters that he used this as an excuse to say, You can. There's a standard letter going out saying, You can see Adric next week as a ghost. Yes. <laughs> <Guess>. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Special ghost appearance. Yes. And I think even, I don't know, I, I suspect that Matthew Waterhouse still peeved at being somewhat squeezed off the show. Gives probably his worst performance in, in, in Time Flight. Yeah, well. No! Nissa, I think that's the line, and then you get this hand. Oh, God. <laughs> hand acting. More hand acting. Oh, dear. 
But no, he's redeemed for me in Earthshock. It's absolutely superb performance for Matt. In oh, the, no, in terms of the scale right. that he gave in the previous season, all of his, mm-hmm. the best performance he gives in Doctor Who mm-hmm. is in Earthshock. Mm-hmm. There's some terrible moments, but we'll come to that. Well, let's, let's come to that. Does somebody want to sum up the plot in, in a couple of minutes? Um, well... No. <laughs> okay, that's a no from going Charlie. <laughs> All right, well, it, um, in a nutshell, I mean, this is a, you know, a kind of a convoluted plot, but mm. briefly, um, we, we start with um, a, a crew or a team of um, investigators who are trying to find out why um, this underground uh, bunch of professors or archaeologists are being killed. Mm. So the police are going in, in effect, to find out what's happened to this mm. team. And they find underground two androids yeah. who are aggressive, uh, hostile, um, and into this scenario, the Doctor and the, his companions arrive. Um, they try to mop up, or uh, at least uh, diffuse the situation by destroying these androids. And which Doctor Who is it? Is it the one who plays um, cricket? It's it's the cricket guy. Mm. It's, it's Davidson. Um, ah, excellent. It's, it's Nissa. Mm. It's Tegan, and it's Adric. Uh, they destroy the androids and they find a bomb. Hmm. The bomb, we find out at the end of episode one, has been planted by the uh, Cybermen. Oh, yes, I remember them. With the intention of destroying the Earth. We then, at some point, are transported to the freighter, where the, um, I think, which is where the, uh, the bomb uh, remote control signal is coming from. Hmm. So we go with the p- policeman, uh, which is um, uh, Scott and his, uh, his cronies, onto this freighter where we meet Beryl Reed, who's the captain of the, of the, the freighter. Yes. The Cybermen are there, mob-handed. There's thousands of them in the hold. And the, the idea is that if the bomb doesn't work, they land on the Earth and destroy it with the Cyber Army on board of the freighter. Um, and the idea is, or the, the um, intention of the Doctor and the companions is to stop this happening. Um, there is... Something to do with some antimatter and uh, <laughs> a thing about going back in time, mm. and then uh, it's, at the end it's wound up, and Adric uh, is left on the freighter as everyone else escapes, and the freighter explodes. Okay, but Beryl Reed's okay. Beryl Reed mm-hmm. escapes. Oh, thank Christ for that. Yeah, so it, it's all right. Okay, it's just Matthew Water. Right, it's obliterated. Um, but it's drama. Um, it's it's action packed. Um, it's fucking brilliant. It's written by Eric Seward. Yes, he was also script editor at the time, wasn't yeah. he? He was known, he, he had a, a, a yen and a taste for action adventures. Well, that might be why, why he asked for this album to come back, because that's an excuse to bring in legions of, of mm. you know, very tall, mm. very muscular, mm. very threatening characters. Mm. Um, and I think that um, um, the script kind of brings it out quite nicely. You know, mm. we, we, do, we have a threat here which is formidable. Mm. It's also written as a big reveal. It's not like the old days where you go straight in and see the monster. You know, this is a whole episode goes by before you even see a Cyberman at the end, which is kind of Terry Nation style, isn't it, as well? But they get the cliffhanger, though, don't they? They do. Yes. Destroy them! Destroy them at once! Yeah. Now, did you watch this first time round? No, <clears throat> I was slightly too young. Only marginally. I mean, my, my earliest Doctor Who memory is the five Doctors, although I'm almost I, I'm certain I would have seen elements of season 20, uh, 21. No, sorry, 20, prior to the five Doctors, because um, I identified Peter Davidson as the incumbent Doctor Who. Um, so I, I, but I was just a little bit 
Too young. I was a little bit too young. I'd only been gestating for three months. (laughs) (laughs) But I did exist. (laughs) You were in the world, yes. In in the world, I was a thing. It's the same year that Brezhnev died, 1982. A lot happened in 82. Mm. The Hot Space Tour happened in 82. Oh, right, with Queen. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good year. Nice t-shirts. By Thank the way. you. Yeah, we're wearing um, '80s themed t-shirts mm. on this side of the table. I'm, I've got my Hot Space Tour uh, t-shirt. Hot Space, very underrated Queen album. Absolutely. It's a great piece of pop fun, influenced uh, Michael Jackson's thriller. Oh, yes, I remember him. Yes, he was in The King's Demons. Greg. He was, famously. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing, Greg? You've got, you've got a picture of, uh, is it Theresa May? No, it's, uh, it's our other female ah. minister, Mrs Margaret Thatcher. Yes. Oh, I thought it was uh, Sheila Hancock. Oh, no. Ah. You're, you're, you're thinking of it's, the Happiness Patrol. It says happiness will <laughs> prevail. Happiness will prevail. Yeah, so you designed it for me, didn't you, Sam? Yes, thank you, Greg. Yes, I did. I, this is a lovely Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Quite a request. <laughs> <laughs> I take requests. Yes, uh, Greg did actually pay for this. Yes. Uh, it's quite rare. It's, it's, it's a picture of um, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, I think, in 1985, and it says you cannot lead from the crowd. Mm. But it was the 1982 font, wasn't it? From the was it? Yes, the 82 font. Conference. Ooh, yeah. Nice 83. Nice 83. 83. Okay. So. That's when she had. Uh, a landslide victory in 83. 83, that's right. <clears throat> when they had all those problems in recording Warriors of the Deep. Yeah. As a consequence. Mm-hmm. Those are the union strikes and everything. Yeah, such, yeah. A, such an unpopular Prime Minister. She won three general elections, one with a landslide. Mm. Yes. Anyway, Charlie, your T-shirt. It's Mott the Hoople. Not, not 80s. No. Well, just being then it would have, people would have been wearing that T-shirt by 82, sure. It would have been... It looks, it no. looks 80s. It looks, it looks 80s. Mott the Hoople was... They disbanded in 1974, 75, right. and they were just gone. Right. They weren't even... They were, they were missed by the fans, but they weren't, weren't heard of again until oh, they re- re-banded, re- reformed uh-huh. in 2008, I think it was. Right. And this is the, the tour T-shirt from that year. I see. I so. the wife to see them at Hammersmith Odeon. Mm. Um, it was great. It was wonderful to see the, the, the band back on, uh, on stage. Um, but my wife wasn't quite that enamoured. Ah, it happens... Yes, it does. It does. We have these interests, you know. I, I was recently in Rome, and um, I, I was a classicist, of course. I did my MA in classics, and uh, so I'm very, very keen on ancient rubble. <laughs> if, the, if the rubble was made in the uh, first century BC to the third century AD, I'm pretty keen. But there's only so much rubble you can show your spouse before they start getting a bit bored. It's like walking around on Scaro, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's pointing at brickwork. Yeah. Look at this rubble. Yes. Have we done Uh I haven't. Actually. It's lots of, lots of cement. <laughs> right. <laughs> All to get together. I'd be keen to. I was more keen on the Roman stuff. Mm. Okay, so back to Earthshock. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's a product of its time, 1982. It looks great. What do we think were its influences from uh, Eric Saywood's perspective? You say you liked action, adventure. Uh, it's clearly influenced by Alien, both in design and writing, would you say? Yes. 
And in fact, um, David Banks was telling us that the costumes uh, had an alien influence as well, didn't they? Was it Richard Gregory who had a say in the um, costumes? Well, if you watch, if you watch Alien, you can see lots of the scenery is somewhat reused in, in Earthshock and particularly in Resurrection of the Daleks I think you see an awful lot of the scenery the grills they reuse with yeah. backlit so it's a very cheap way of getting some depth but if you look mm. at the very end scene where Sigourney Weaver is sliding into a slinky is this in Resurrection? no this <laughs> Yes, you know that scene when Rodney Buses in his underpants sliding in <laughs> to, to a slink. It's like a, a, a sprain going down the stairs. I don't know what I'm talking about. The crowd is just, it's, I can't stand the confusion in my mind. Um, there's a scene with Sigourney Weaver uh, slipping into a space. It's quite a sexy scene in oh, yes. underwear. And hanging up in that cupboard is a white G-suit, a very baggy white G-suit, with all of the ribs and the veins and the pipes. Oh, yes. That is what would eventually have been developed into Cybermen. Oh. Ah. It's, it's, it's a, it has, I believe, water is pumped through the system mm. under some pressure, and then yes. all those little pipes and bands tighten around the, the costume, the body, the right. body of the person that's wearing it. Right. And it uh, diminishes the effects of high G. So hmm. they were very many of them had expired. They're no longer usable because the rubber had perished, etc., etc. They mm -hmm. fell into hands of collectors and things, and very good for dressing scenery and futuristic hmm. shows. And they were then used uh, as the basis, uh, and not not at you know, some ex at some expense, I must say, because they're very hmm. expensive. About four hundred pounds a suit. Really? That yeah. Much? <clears throat> but for for, for the, the the frame of the Cyberman hmm. design. But the earlier ones had been wetsuits, hadn't they? So they'd, they'd, mm. they'd had a <coughs> sorry, excuse me, a diving suit. So they'd had a they, they did have a history of using suits that had prior yes. usage. Mm. But this that I mean, it's a it's an ingenious idea because um, not too many people would have been that familiar with the design. And also, wasn't the um, chest plate adapted from something that the RAF uh, used at high flying in at high speed? Um, I believe not. Oh. I, think, I think that the costume was. Right. The breastplate would have been a sculpted element mm. cast in fiberglass and slipped over the top. I think of all the things, right. the breastplate was the only thing that was original ah. from scratch. Mm -hmm. Everything else was either repurposed from existing uh, costumes, uh, mm. uh, gloves as such, uh, motorcycle gloves, mm. boots and moon boots, and the helmet was a beautifully resculpted re piece of work. But isn't it fantastic? Art Deco, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, stunning. The design stands up today. Yeah, it works. It works. If you look at the Revenge Cybermen, they they're in flares and stuff, and they're oh. very root, <laughs> rooted in the seventies. But yeah. you could lift the Earthshock Cybermen out of that yeah. and look at them now, and I don't. You know, it doesn't look eighties to me. That design. No, it doesn't to me. I mean, I will come back to some of the issues I do have with the design when oh. we get to Attack of the Cybermen, oh. and I do have issues. But it, I made a few notes here about about the design, and one thing I said: costume is movie standard. The, mm. You look at David Banks's costume; it's impeccable. I mean, the the detail on it is absolutely stunning. Um, the background artist probably not as much; they wouldn't have spent as much time. But if you look at the details in the mask and the helmet, the jaw, it's beautifully finished. Who it designed that? It is. Who really designed the helmet? Originally, well, Richard Gregory worked on the helmet, but the design goes back decades. You can actually see the original Tomb Cyberman helmet, which was done by, I think, a company called... 
Postgate or something like that. Uh, Oliver Postgate? No. <laughs> it was a company called Posthorn or something like that. that ah. were far- stuff was farmed out to them as Shawcraft would have done yeah. work for the BBC. Mm. And they sculpted the original helmet. And of course that evolved over time and then it was re-sculpted for Invasion and then repurposed again for Revenge. And I think poor Richard Gregory was presented with this tatty thing. Mm. But what can I do with this? And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they were they were repurposing them, resculpting over this frame, mm. which was goes all the way back to Moonbase, oh. uh, and they wanted to lose the the handles. And JNT quite rightly said, "We need to retain that design. Yeah. We yeah. need to keep yes. that." And I think it would have lost something. Well, good for John because yeah. I, I think at the time he was right. You know, we're often saying he was wrong about things but yeah correct decision the silhouette had to remain mm. I think a lot of John's decisions about Earthshock and why it's so successful mm. for once this isn't the man who's the PR man you know the one that loved attention with the papers had, had the, was so centred on Earthshock to say we're not going to put this on the Radio Times cover right. it's been offered to us but we're not going to do it because the cyber the shock, reveal the cyber reveal right. he was offered a Radio Times cover yeah. and had the strength to turn it down mm. yeah. credit to him mm. yeah well, it is a, a, you know, no pun intended, but it is a, a big shock, isn't it, at the end, if you've never seen it before? I mean, no. Obviously, we've now seen it hundreds of times, but uh, it's a fantastic reveal. Yeah. And they look terrific. And they've looked the best, the Cybermen, since, well, the invasion, which was only two stories earlier mm. in, the, in the cyber anthology, wasn't it? But For me, I think this is the ultimate cyber design next I agree. to the moon base. There's only oh, two right. for me. It's the moon oh, base. Really? They all look pristine, yeah, no, consistent, no, I, I, and, and I, I, Earthshock. I agree, the 80s Cybermen are, are the pinnacle. <clears throat> but you know I'm quite uh, fond of the Will in Space Art Deco teardrop oh, yes. design. That's mm. one of my favourites. I know you're, you're not quite as convinced, are you? Well, there's only two of them. Mm. Yeah, it's, but, but it's the design I'm talking about. If you were yeah. to hang it on the wall, it would look quite pretty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, OK. But you have one of these of, of these on your wall, don't you? Yeah, yeah, the 80s Cyberman. I've got an 80s Cyberman helmet. Yeah. From the Five Doctors. And uh, I've got a breastplate in the basement. <laughs> right, okay. I'll dig it up for you. Maybe Maybe what we'll do at the end of this podcast is I'll bring this on and, and what the guys will try this on to see what it feels like to be encased in this kind of stuff. Because well, it's very strange. Well, well, that's interesting you say that, Sam, because I, I, I um, slightly hesitate to raise this because I think I might have been slightly rude when you um, you sent a charming clip of about uh, an hour and a half uh, sorry not an hour and a half uh, um, it seemed like it no, 19, no. Oh, darling I'm joking <laughs> of two minutes you in bitch. length from uh, 2001 wasn't it you said 2000 I, I'd found so, on VHS yeah so you were what clip? late teens yeah, about 18 um, and it's you in a Cyberman 80s Cyberman costumes yeah. stalking around and looking menacing and the, the Doctor Who soundtrack it's a student film before Doctor Who was popular again and it, it, it is it is fantastic but what I was trying to sort of convey in a clumsy WhatsApp message <laughs> that you know whilst I was on a toilet break at work so <laughs> hurriedly tapping away was um, that you, you can sort of you can see the movement of the costume was kind of what I meant wobbly you, you can kind of see the, the joins somewhat with yeah. it and I thought, um, you don't see any of that in Earthshock. And I think part of that is down to performance. Um, so with David Banks, I think we've spoken before about his voice and what he was able to bring to the character. And having the mic actually in the costume really helps someone with a really good voice yeah. to give a great vocal performance. Because you can't really see his face, certainly you can't see his eyes. Um, 
but I've always kind of overlooked the physicality of his performance. But he did say that the helmet is screwed on. Yes. Was your helmet the same? No, mine was clipped on the back. That's why it would have had it would have had the same effect. But I think Greg is absolutely right because the costume fitting would have been for David Banks and Mark Mm. Hardy. And if you look at those two costumes in Earthshock. They are, again, movie standard. They're absolutely outstanding. Look at the background artists. They don't fit quite so well. So these, mm. this, this element has obviously been sculpted to the form and shape of David Banks. Yes. So that's why it fits so comfortably. He looks so lean and perfectly fitting in it. Um, but I think the point is, and I made a note of this myself, Greg, when I was watching Earthshock, I wrote here, poise. Poise, and it's yes. That, that's what I mean, actually. That, yes. that David has. He, he gives a performance which is not unlike... Um, uh, Christopher Gable in, yes. in uh, Caves of Androzani God I'm really reaching for the lines here after the crowd has <laughs> <laughs> the neurons are not firing yes. well, Pete, uh, Christopher Gable was of course a, f- a famous ballet dancer and yeah. if you look at the movement uh, that David Banks really very much pioneers in Earthshock uh, it's, it's, he leans forward in a casual manner but with strength there is a casuality to the way he performs. There's a wonderful moment in, in Earthshock where I don't think you could ever do this in any other Doctor Who story with a Sideman. It'd just be laughable. With him, he just, he just carries it. He leans forward to tap something in to a control. Do you know the scene yes, I'm talking yes. about? And he goes, I think he delivers a line so he goes something like, Sideman, it's a bit like Roger Moore, is it? Sideman to level 4, 15, 5. Tap, tap, tap. Accomplished. And leans back. And I'm thinking, you don't for one minute question that being absurd, but he plays it with a kind of coolness yeah. and I can't pin it down why but he, that's all the other Simon follow that trope afterwards he establishes how Simon men should behave and that is the way with a bit of charisma I'd say oh yes there's a certain great. swagger to it I think yes. swag is part of it and like Christopher Gable as, as Cherish Jack they have a stiff neck they don't, the heads don't particularly move so mm. that again that stiffness Portrays strength yes. and mus- yes. muscularity, I think. Yes. The erectness as yes. well, you know, stand, yeah. stand, good posture, standing yes. up straight. Uh, it all helps with the performance. I mean, I, I, I always hesitate to sort of kick the new series, but I remember that when I was still watching it, the profound disappointment when they brought the Cybermen back because yes. they just did look like robots and tin soldiers. And mm-hmm. I found the 80s Cybermen much more interesting because you still had that human element. I felt it looked very much like a costume. Uh, and also, mm. they they looked like um, I don't want to talk about these at all. But they 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 looked like the Tin Man mm. uh, from <laughs> Wizard of Oz, yeah. and it just I couldn't get over it. Whereas in Earthshock, which I really what I really love about it is because that costume is a G suit, is actually have, has a practical design. Yeah, they it's designed for space. They look like they could walk in space in that outfit. Yeah, it's true. it's an evolution of what NASA would call an EVA. Uh, spacesuit, an extravehicular activity mm. suit. It has a practicality. The Cybermen are just really knitted into this costume for life. Those lads in NASA know what they're doing. Yeah. Those, those Johnnies. <laughs> <laughs> lads and lasses. I've seen that late movie, movie lately. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a very superficial analysis of the Cybermen, but I think that's what's so important about Earthshock is it looks bloody good. It really does. What about the... It looks the great. You can see that the... Um, the mandible, sort of the lower jaw. I love it. Mm. Yeah, I, I love it. I know a, fr- a friend of mine said he, when he first saw it in, in 81, 82, he saw the mouth and thought, oh dear. Oh, really? That's a mistake. <laughs> yes. It looks oh. a bit cheap. You can see, you can see him, the actor in the, the costume, but of course we know full well that was the intention. That yes. it, it looks it, metallic. It's grey and it's, mm. it's, it's, um, 
obviously a sort of rotting flesh. It's kind of mm. what's left of the human core of the yeah. cyber person. Um, and that's a great, a great touch. I, I think agree. It's quite, very effective. Mm. It's such a shame we lost it. Yes, very yeah, quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably due to expense and them spraying the helmets very cheaply, repeatedly. <laughs> but uh, there's a wonderful scene, isn't there, between um, uh, the cyber leader, the Doctor, and Tegan, where he's he's blackmailing mm. uh, the Doctor to obey him by threatening the girl's death. Mm. And it's cross-cut beautifully by uh, Peter Grimway between the Doctor and the cyber leader. Cut, 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 as, the, as Tegan is about to be shot. And there's a wonderful little detail that David Banks puts in, I don't know if you notice. There's no dialogue. He just grinds his bottom jaw slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, so the cyber leader's enjoying yeah. that moment. That's yeah. lovely. And it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. tiny detail. I thought, God, you know, yeah. for such a difficult role to play, yeah. a very unforgiving role, David Banks gives a real, dare I say, guest star performance. Mm. It's, it's, it's very special. Yeah. I mean, we can't really be more reverent about David Banks, but he's bloody good in this. Yes, he is, yes. <laughs> well, he, he's, you know, been our guest star this season and uh, yeah. we've learnt a lot about the show uh, from him mm. it's a sort of uh, casting where anybody else would have given, given the lesser performance and he really is the absolutely correct he, he, actor for the part yes and his performance is part of the reason the Cybermen were such a success when mm. they came back and people quite rightly revered Earthshock um, and there are other good performances in it as well I really like the design of it of the sets yes there's a sense of scale and space but also claustrophobia. There's no mm. windows. Yeah, you can't see the outside yeah, that's space. That's true, actually. I've never thought of that. Very low ceilings, mm. and that helps when you have a Cyberman walking mm. into a set. Yeah, because he in looks the like oh, yeah. That deck, you know, the, the control deck is incredibly claustrophobic with low ceilings. Yeah. The Cybermen just uh, take up all the space when they walk onto onto the, the bridge. The cargo hold is quite claustrophobic as well because you've got those big. Um, uh, silos that uh, tower over everything, which is uh, sort of quite quite imposing as well. Mm. Never actually admitted this in public before either, but um, I, I remember as a student um, having to move house, you know, as you do sort of every three weeks. When you're <laughs> so, so at one point I put a bit of a bit of furniture in storage at uh, you know easy storage or something like that, and I remember um, it was just this labyrinthine X warehouse with like corridor after corridor of this sort of thing and silos and cages and so on. I remember um, having a little thrill sort of being there on my own, thinking, <laughs> feeling like I was walking in the, the cargo hold in Earthshock. That's what it reminded me of. It had that feel. Mm. It's it was slightly intimidating. You know, if someone had come up behind me, I'd, they'd have given me the willies. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautifully lit as well, isn't it? It's one of those shows mm. where maybe it was the power of Peter Grimway, the confidence. It's like, I need the lights yes. turned down. Yes. It's more threatening that way, isn't it? But they'd had the underground stuff. They'd had the underground stuff, hadn't they, in um, the first couple of episodes where it's dark. It's very dark. And gloomy in those caves. Yes. Um, and quite famously, uh, Peter Davison's television was broken. <laughs> and he's watching it with the wrong contrast. And he sees a, a, a dotty old script assistant walking around with her headphones on and a script. And I love the story more than the yes. event, because you can see her. Okay. You can. Yeah, it's it's just, can. it happens, you know, it's yeah. fine. But it's JNT's reaction on the phone when he goes, John, I've just seen Valerie <laughs> um, stood on set. And he goes, you're bloody right, the bloody woman. <laughs> JNT must have been losing his mind. Oh, well, it, I, I didn't spot it for about... 20 times of watching no, it and right. I, only because I was looking out for it because Peter Davison mentioned it yes. at a convention I was like really because I've never seen this and then I watched it really carefully and spotted it 
but it's you, very you, strange. It's one of those things where your eye has to be in the right yeah. section, and you're more than likely to be looking at something else. You're yes. looking at the action, not at the corner of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny though, isn't it? The, that first episode where um, the, the name of the uh, one of the deceased archaeologists is Schneider. Schneider. <laughs> So we have that that poor lad who's uh, it does very well actually. He's a northerner, isn't he? He's a bit like a, a bit of a Reese Dinsdale type, isn't he? Yes, he is. He, he's got a nice good accent. Actor. Yeah, he's good got hair. Feather cut. Yes, very yeah. eighties. Yeah, he spends so much of that so just, just leaning into off, the camera off, again. Duran Duran look. <laughs> Schneider. 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 I don't know, sir. It's very northern, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I like it though. It's, it's good. gone now too, sir. I don't know. <laughs> I don't reflect. <laughs> <laughs> That's a complete crib of alien, that as well, isn't it? With what, the, the, the dots, the, the dots ah. going round and life signs disappearing. I think from Alien. I think the same with uh, Dallas, played by Tom Skerritt. Yes. Just going down that ladder. And they're following him on the, on the, the right, screen. Right. So that's, that's from that. Ah, right. It's a nice little bit nice little bit of hardware. That's something else I noticed about the show. I mean, when you talk about the Cybermen, you know, the ultimate hardware. But mm. there's some beautiful props. The bomb, the console which is used. I think all of these props... And the helmets that the the what would you call them the soldiers I suppose were they're all farmed out the policemen as I call them the policemen mm. all farmed out to an external company and it bloody shows it looks like it again does, movie does standard costume money. the costumes are outstanding in mm. this across the board mm. really good costumes and what do we think of the new boy Davo it's still early days isn't it yeah. is he is he still a new boy well, well it's yeah. his first season isn't it mm. and he's he's he spent most of Castrovalva just faffing about, didn't he? But he always gives a consummate professional performance, but I feel he performs better in stuff which he feels is good, and I think he knows that Earthshock's a good story. So what's he done before this? Castrovalva lying on the floor, fall to doomsday, dull as ditch water, he just wanders round. Uh, what's after that? Kinder. Kinder. Oh, Kinder's really good. Kinder's very That's good. quite thoughtful. Visitation. Visitation, again, quite good. But this is the... F- uh, Black, Black Orchid. Orchid. Mm. Bit of a run around. So this is... But this is the first action adventure he's yeah. got his teeth into, yeah. isn't it? It's the, it's the proper real Doctor Who. Mm. And it's... I mean, it's often commented on this, but the scenes are bloody short. You have a couple of lines mm. and then you're into the next scene. Well, that's, that's down to the director, isn't it? That's Peter Grimway. And yeah. the writing. Yeah, yeah. lots of setups. There were lots, lots yeah. of cuts in it, weren't there? Lot, lots of cross-cutting. So yeah. he's having to yeah. shoot so many stuff in different sets, backwards and forwards. It's a miracle he got it done. It's like a and, movie. And done so well. Yeah. But he knew, he knew what he was doing, didn't he, Peter Grimway? Well, he did. I mean, you, can, you mentioned the, the ceilings in the set. Mm. I mean, straight away, if a director says to, to a BBC set designer, I want ceilings, then they're like, oh, God, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be a hard one. Yeah. But he, he made sure that it was done. He didn't compromise. It had to be done properly. And that is the right way to do it, to give that scale. Shoot low, up towards the side of the mm-hmm. um, it, it works beautifully well. So just to, you know, obviously he was a professional guy who knew what he wanted and yeah. wouldn't say no until he got it. I think Ian Levine commented on this, actually, uh, he wasn't a particularly popular director with uh, artists or, or, well, te- or technicians because he was so demanding. Gave him a hard time. He was quite shrill. But, mm. but I, I have to quote Ian Levine or misquote him, and I agree entirely. He said, No one's interested in the behind the scenes stories about how nice people were. I'm interested in what got on screen. Yes. Yeah. And he said, what, what do you get on screen there is a really good Doctor Who story. Totally. And do you know what? Sometimes if people are an arsehole <laughs> to you, but they, they get good work out of you. Mm. You can forgive them for it. Yes. And thank them for it. Yes. Because sometimes you do need that, um, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a fine line. 
between taking it personally and um, actually seeing it for the benefit of, of, of what you're trying to achieve artistically. Well, actors are, um, by their very nature, egotists. So mm. make me look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. happy. Yeah, so they, yeah. They should. They should. Egotists are also sensitive. Hand. Quite a lot. Of exactly. Time, so yeah, it's, the it's, whole point of it is. If I look good and it's a success, then then I, should I really care that, that I had to sweat sweat to get the the result? Precisely. Well, what do we what do we think of the cast in this? Because of course we've got an interesting cast. We've got Daryl Reed. Oh, mentioned. Uh, um, I know I've droned on and on relentlessly on this podcast previously about Daryl Reed, so maybe I'll rein that in. But just to say, you know, even though we we joke about her casting in previous episodes as being not really a Sigourney Weaver type, which is what <laughs> I think Eric Sabin was after. Oh, come on, she's great. <laughs> Does it detract from, from the effect of the, the show? And the answer is no, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't make it a lesser production because she's in it. So and she, won a, she, she recently won a BAFTA, hadn't she, for Smiley's People? Yeah. I think, starring opposite Alec Guinness, a, a, a very, very fine actor of great repute. Lemborn, stop that man kissing on the edge. Uh, it's imported. You come here. You stop that at once. That comes special all the way from Egypt. I think she just about pulls it off. Yeah. She just about gets away with it. And I think half the problem comes from maybe Peter Grimwade not being an actor's director. So he was not directing actors or giving them any motivation for what they were doing. No. So very much like Hitchcock. Mm. You're just you're just cattle. You stand there. <laughs> but what's my motivation? You're salaried. <laughs> you know, and I think that's very much a technical director's mm. view, but it looks fucking brilliant. You've got these amazing camera angles and such, but the actors often don't know what the hell they're doing. They're just standing staring off into the middle distance. And there's a lot of actors staring in Earthshock at screens and looking at each other and thinking, I don't know. I'm just hoping it's going to come together in the edit. And it does. When you have yeah. a proficient actor. But Reed is experienced enough to make anything interesting that she's doing. Oh, yes. I mean, even her fluffs are quite funny. What, what's the today? <laughs> Enemies on the other side, mister. That's one of her lines, isn't <laughs> it? She says it with a really northern kind of tone. I want them caught. No, she's, she's great. I've got a particularly fitting epitaph for him. <laughs> well, that reminds okay, me. How can anyone not? <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, is it Ringway? Yeah. He's, he's sound- very good. Yeah, I love he? him. He sounds like Ringworm or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 uh, particularly, yeah. he's a seedy he is, creep, uh, isn't he? Yes, obsequious. Yeah. Oleaginous character. Wonderful, yeah. Mm. And very camp. Yes. Yeah. Alec. Uh, what's his name? Alec. I'll look it up in Le Fissier. He's great Alex something. He, he handles the death foot quite yeah. nicely. James Warwick? Just, just gasps and falls to his knees. <laughs> Le Fissier's here. It's oh. a really lovely performance. James, it's a small part, but mm. it's very memorable. It and good. again, he gives the Cybermen some agency, doesn't he? It's always nice to have that agent. Uh, and they never last long. No. <laughs> no. I think even, even Davidson goes, you never change as soon yeah. as they shoot him. Yeah. It's got a dark line, isn't yeah. it? You know? Never trust a Cyberman. Don't. Where the hell would you? It's like, well, it's in the same position as uh, Kelman, isn't it? Tobias Vaughan. Uh, yes, yes. although Kelman is, of course, not really working for the Cybermen, just yeah, as Morris Colburn in Attack isn't really working for but the But he comes a cropper. Yeah, but they, yeah, they all come a cropper, don't they? And you think that they are. Let's, um, come on. Let's see if it's here. <laughs> Alex Sabin. I was right. Yes, I was well Alex something. He's Alex Sabin. He's very, very good. Um... James Warwick. What do we think of him? Yes, great. Great. Nightmare Man. Really good. Yep. Deadhead. 
He is in Deadhead. Yeah, playing yes. the baddie. I didn't recognise him. Yeah. When, I, when he first came on, I Thomas didn't recognise him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, it's the voice I recognised. I thought, I know that voice. Great voice. And I was thinking this about James Warwick, actually, because, uh, Charlie, you gave me Deadhead made in 1986 for my birthday, didn't you? I did. On DVD with um, the Scotch lad out of New Tricks um, and Star Wars. Is the, Dennis Lawson. Dennis Lawson. Is He's the, a good actor. The hero Lawson, in that. Yeah, you see his buttocks. I've seen him on stage, Dennis Lawson. Any interest to anyone? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> he didn't get his buttocks out on stage oh, when right. I saw him, but yeah. he was in a play called Art, and he was absolutely hilarious. It's one of the funniest plays ever written. Go see. <laughs> Lindsay Duncan, also in Deadhead. Yeah. And James Warwick. Uh, and James Warwick is one of those actors where you see him in loads of stuff but you never quite recognise him because he's quite chameleonic and that's a compliment to an actor yeah is to, to not recognise good him. voice though really Very good, good really voice. strong voice he's the voice I recognise yeah mm. he's also in uh, Tales um, uh, 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 a tale called The Sound Machine mm. um, playing a doctor and again it's his no moustache but the voice is still there it's quite clearly you know it's identifiably him I, just, I mean, heroes in 1982 had moustaches. Footballers, you know, <laughs> Eddie Mercury. Well, Freddie I was going to get on to <laughs> Graham Sooner. <laughs> Graham Sooner. There's that wonderful scene in The Boys and the Black stuff, isn't there? Where Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> Where Bernard Hill goes up to Graham Sooness. You're Graham Sooness. <laughs> you look like Magnum. I look like you. Can I get your autograph? And, and Graham Sooness signs it uh, uh, to Yosa Hughes. Better looking by far. Yours, Graham Sooness. <laughs> Better looking by far, Graham Sooness. <laughs> you, you wonder just for a moment if he's going to punch the living daylights out of him, and he just goes. Good one, that grey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm derailed on moustaches. Yeah, tash. Yeah. Mm. The, the, the dashing heroic tash. The yeah. dashing tash. They all had them back in the day. I mean, it, it ticks so many boxes. Did actually. we ever have a prime minister with a moustache? Yeah, Anthony Eden. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Macmillan. Macmillan. Yeah. Oh, Clement Hatley. Clement Hatley. <laughs> they all had moustaches. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> No, that was a beard. <laughs> who, was, who was that lad who waved the piece of paper? Chamberlain. No, Chamberlain. He had a moustache. Yeah. Was it an umbrella or both? Uh, which ones didn't have a moustache? <laughs> probably yeah. a better question. Narrow it down. Uh, Gladstone, he had a moustache. Future Prime Minister Jeremy Corbyn has a beard. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Yeah, stand away <laughs> from the Greg. <laughs> Trigger word. I'm, I, I need to find my safe space. So, uh... <laughs> talking about performances, though, mm. let's touch on uh, Matthew Waterhouse. Mm. Uh, never had the best run as an actor. Very early in his career, was very much learning on the job. Also, very late in his career. Well, he started as an actor at, at seventeen in mm. in uh, Full Circle. I think he was in something called like Uncle Tom's School Days or something like that. To celebrate my days. That's right. Yeah, before. So you're still a teenager at this point, you know. With Buse, was it Buse? I don't know. Was it that? What do we think of his performance in Earthshock? It's the be- it's the pinnacle, isn't it? I think it's a, the top. I think he rises to the occasion, knowing it's his last one. He's superb all the way through, by his standards. Yeah. But then he blows it completely at the end. Do you think? You know, in his death scene, where he he goes, he's cracked the the code, and he goes, mm. "Oh, of course, that's it." And then he's tapping away at the computer. And he's so preempting it going to explode. He's yeah. like he's at a computer, completely at arm's length, sort of pretending to, because he knows it's going to explode. And it's like I was taught that on day one at acting school: don't preempt anything. Yeah. If if you know someone's going to punch you, 
don't act like you know they're going to punch you. He's genuinely terrified of the explosion. He, he couldn't mm. help himself. Yeah, yeah. Bad, it's bad act. It was just um, instinct to, mm. to do it that way. It spoils it. They yeah. should have shot it another way to actually to help him because yeah. I think even Peter Davison would have been somewhat hesitant mm. putting his fingers into that thing. Yeah. And it, it's a big <laughs> bang when it goes off. Yeah. I'm not talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that one later. Or that cow's been. <laughs> oh, I said I'm not talking about. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But mm. um, yeah, uh, there's a wonderful scene at the end, and the last thing he's doing is he's, he's clutching the badge, the, the belt. Ah, oh, oh, that's nice. Yes, I like that. And I was watching it, but I think there's one thing I would have done, and they could have done this because, of course, Grimwade directed. Uh, Full Circle, which is the very first story with Varsh. Oh, yes, Varsh yes. Richard Willis. And it's cut beautifully. Richard Willis. We've had him on the podcast. We have. And it's cut beautifully from Tegan and the Doctor and Nissa going, Adric! Adric! Which they're, they're miles away. They're mm. so far away, they can't, mm. they're out of sight. And then it cuts to him and, and he's got Varsh's uh, badge. He's holding the badge. I would have then put in voiceover Varsh's last line. So you'd have been, Adric, Adric. And then as it cuts to Adric, the last thing that Adric hears in his mind is, Adric! Oh. And then the death. It would have been heavy-handed. A bit niche. But I think it would have worked beautifully. Yeah, it'd been. have been a good reward for the fans. It would have, got, it would have got me there. Richard Willis would have enjoyed it. He would have got an extra paycheck. He would have done. Yeah. Because it's so subtle with the badge, you barely see it. It would have been nice. But it was supposed to go full circle. But it's done very well, mm. though, despite the fact that he's obviously frightened of being blown up by the, the computer or whatever mm. it is I think his death is done very nicely and that final shot of him looking looking kind of into the middle distance kind of wait, just waiting for the explosion is done very nicely mm. he's not screaming and crying and snivelling he's just no, taking agree. it as a yes. man yes. he's grown up he's become yes. an adult at That's last right. and uh, before he dies you know he just takes it like a man it's it is actually shocking isn't it it's awful shocking, shocking they made that decision to kill him off but it's beautifully foreshadowed in the writing because in that first episode he's, he's fighting with Peter Davis and they're falling out. He's plotted mm. his route home. Mm. And if he'd followed it through, it would have all been fine. But he changes his mind. He goes, no, I'm just going to stay. I'm actually happy where I am. Yeah. Fatal decision. The yeah. die has been mm. cast. Yeah. And mm. all those wonderful foreshadowing moments where they see the skeletons, uh, 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 the bones of the dinosaurs. It's beautifully structured. It's terrible because his death is completely pointless as well. It's like he yeah. could have escaped yeah. with Beryl Reed and co. Mm. And the door is closed and he goes, oh, of course, that's it. Mm. And we know later in retrospect, having watched it, that that freighter was always going to crash on the earth and that's what wiped out the dinosaurs and led to humanity. But that's his, his tragic flaw, isn't it? That, mm. that he can't stop himself. He's so o e OCD, he has yes. to go back just yes. to see if he can do it. Just, because, mm. just to prove to himself mm. that he has the... the, the the skills to, to do the job. Not just to himself, he's trying to prove it to the doctor as well. Yeah. As well, yeah. Mm, yes, but yes. it's but it's, it's because of his personality that he goes back mm. and dies. Mm. Had he just been, um, had he just taken the orders to, to, to quit or to abandon the ship, he would have been yeah. all right. It's, it's great characterisation from the right. Good writing. It's giving Matthew Waterhouse something really to get his teeth. It's in. very brave to kill essentially a boy. He's he's yeah. as a kid. And it, 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 we, when we watched it when we were teenagers and Matthew Waterhouse was a few years older than us it was easy to dismiss oh 
get lost, Adric. You know. But now you watch it and you think, God, you know, he's a he's a child that's just obliterated. Yeah, it's a bit like one of those Moon Peter episodes where one of the pets had died. You know, a bit like that, wasn't it? Quite traumatic. John Noakes on facts talking about Shaq. God, that still that gets me going every time I see it. Oh. A generation was scarred yeah. by that. Well, John, he never, no, he never got over it. Did no, he didn't. No, no. Mm. I, 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 yeah. yeah. So, we're, just we're get me. Just, just, just let me clarify. Are you guys saying Eric Sawad mm-hmm. wrote a good script? Yes. Oh, yes. absolutely. Totally. Thank you very we're, much. We're big fans of Eric Sawad. Yeah, I am. Are you? I'm a big fan of Eric Sawad. Yeah. I would defend Resurrection of the Daleks. I think I it's very stylish. Well, Revelation of the Daleks. Outstanding. Revelation is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mind. Visitation. But the problem was yeah, he was visitation script person. editing crap. His, well, <laughs> that's his, what he was yeah, doing. You know. Was his script editing sort of up to scratch? I mean, we spoke uh, this season about um, um, not Bob Holmes. No, it was Bob Holmes writing to Jerry Davis. Oh yeah, um, very very cutting. Putting the boot in. Um, would Eric Sayward have had the confidence to no. do that to write? I'm not sure he would, because he had a very small pool. And he was also with. trying to nurture new talent, yeah. which is good. That's commendable. But you know, sometimes like with time time lash, it didn't quite work out. No. Mm-hmm. And with time flight, it was Peter Grimwade who'd submitted the scripts, and they didn't want to piss him off. Then did they? He later pissed off J and T. But to be fair to, to Eric, it was his first job. You know, <clears> he was very. Very green, very wet behind the mm. ears, and to be given from going from being a writer to being a script editor was a massive jump. And he wasn't, he wasn't prepared for the job. No. He wouldn't turn it down. It's a, no. it's, a, it's a big, big ticket, you know, um, position. But um, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't have the skills or the experience no. for that job. Uh, John Nathan Turner was the commissioning editor for content, and I think. He was in charge of what was going to be pushed through or wasn't. And he's like, it's your job to make sure it's workable and get into the studio. And he did. He got it into a shooting script half the time. But it's just not necessarily always good to do. But when he's in complete control, they're fantastic stories. So I'm not, I'm not saying he's a... Did he turn in a bad script, Eric Sayward? Well, he with his name on. script. Well, scripted. yes, Attack of the Cybermen, he wrote that. No, no, that was, that was Paul Lamour. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Slash Ian Levine. We, we, we will come to that. There's one more thing I think we should touch on before we move on from Earthshock. Uh, it's a great story, but there's some ropey moments, and it's not down to writing, really. I think it's down to some scenes that didn't need to be there. Okay, go on. That annoying, pointless woman who opens the story, who I can't even remember her name. Schneider! No, 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 no. Schneider's good. Yeah, I like no, Schneider, Schneider, isn't it? I just wanted to say Schneider again. <laughs> Can you remember the name? Let's have a look in the. She gets killed. Grim guys. And this, uh, this Point goes. Death. No. Oh, no. oh, her. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's very black. What's her she? name? The character's name. Is it? Um, I'm just looking in the book. Ba, 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 ba. Trooper uh, Bane. No, that's the trooper. Ringway Fletcher. It's, it's Kyle, isn't it? Kyle. Claire, Claire, yes, Claire, 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 Kyle. Claire. It's not her fault, but it's, mm. it's just a very dull character. Mm. And she's put with another dull character for a two-hander. It's like in the TARDIS. It's like, does it get yeah. drier than that? Oh, the, the Sarah Sutton and Kyle. They're what cute. are they? Robots! <laughs> <laughs> they're huge! Hardly, they're about six foot four. Yeah. It, it's, it's such a badly scripted moment for two very shallow characters. Yeah, so that should have just gone. They didn't. It wasn't their no need for it, other than to remind us that they exist and are still in the story. Yeah, that's the only reason it cuts to them. 
And again, but, you, but you isn't can, that Eric Sayward sort of trying to sideline a character he doesn't particularly want to write for? Right. Totally, because he did it throughout all of the Colin Baker era with Colin Baker. Yeah. Whenever he got the chance to write Colin, he sidelined him, didn't he? Yeah. I'm going to write a Darling story with, without the Doctor. <laughs> but Nissa spends most of the visitation faffing around in the TARDIS. Yes. As well, doesn't she? Sort of yeah. trying to destroy an android. Yeah. And she's faffing around in the TARDIS in Earthshock as well. So it's, it's, it's quite clear Eric Sayward did not want to write for that character. I think when David Banks spoke about it, they, they, it was late in the day when they were recording his big, big death sequence yes. as well. And I remember, um, I think when we, we when we've talked about Earthshock before, I think I pointed this out at the time, but I, it's just like it could have done with one more take or maybe a few more cuts because we're so used to it cutting very rapidly yeah. that that scene in the TARDIS seems to be just one camera. Somehow. It's clear that they've run out of time because yeah. his mic is all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. They would have fixed that if they had the time. I think they literally yes. were up against the clock. You can yeah. tell they did it in one take. Yes. Yeah, they, they needed to get it in the can. It's not the actor's fault or anything like that. It's just um, It just looks a bit rushed. That befalls poor old David Banks, I think, in more than one occasion where his big mm. death scene almost doesn't get done. I mean, in mm. Silver Nemesis, mm. they, I, I seem to recall reading a, a really good... Remember those Envision magazines from the 80s oh, yes, and 90s? Yes. Fantastic analysis. You got me some for me birthday. I did. The one for Silver Nemesis goes on about he didn't get a death scene shot. <gasps> and they had to go back and they had like five minutes and they had a corner somewhere on location and went, David, we can do it. And he was just like, excellent. So <laughs> he got on the floor and exploded yeah. and he was like, yeah. done. Yes. <laughs> Talking of Richard Willis, do you remember when we were speaking to him? He, they, they wanted to cut his big death yes, scene. I remember that. Yeah. He was like, no, we've, we've rehearsed it. We know what we're doing. But they did that in one, they said we got one take and they got it. What is it with Doctor Who? They keep doing this, like regeneration. They leave it to the last point in the studio day to do yeah. stuff. And they can, don't worry, we'll record the, the scene where they go, what are they? Robots, they're huge. Let's do a second take. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Equally as shit. Yeah. And they go, at the end of the day, right, okay, it's Tom it's Baker's regeneration. You've got one shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's do it at true. the beginning of the yeah. fucking day. Yeah. This is the money shot. Yeah. <laughs> For God, the critical climax. We want yeah. to see David Banks explode in a blaze of glory yeah. in the time. I still think it's a pretty which good is, scene. It is, yeah. You yeah. know, he shoots the controls, which is a lovely moment because then Davo can't even control the TARDIS to save Adric. It ties in. It's great. The last it's ten, really last ten minutes is, is brilliant. The whole thing yeah. is, is, is Paul Greengrass kind of cutting, uh, which works beautifully. And the whole thing is so dramatic. This is what I said to you before about. I think Doctor Who works best when there's jeopardy, when there's yes. real threat, yes. mm. when somebody might end up being killed here, and, and lo and behold, that's what happens. Um, but because of the the fact that it's that they're doing it so well with such conviction, and it's that there is real kind of danger at stake here, um, it, it works so beautifully. And stuff like um, time flight, where they, you don't know what's going on, you don't understand it. Here, it's quite simple. It's quite clear what's going on. Mm. The Cyberman in the TARDIS with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's going to explode in a minute. You know, it's as simple as that. And actors with gravitas. It's it's it's. it's cliffhanger stuff you know mm. it works so well because of that mm. and it's, it's absolutely beautifully edited and cut together and the cherry on the cake is the soundtrack I think it's, it's ah. fantastic you were just humming it before all that is overused but it's, it's just to cut. It's, just, it's to help cross-cut so many scene cuts, isn't yeah. it? It's this transition. Mount Malcolm Clark, is it? It's Mount Clark. Yeah. I refer to that as a Scots theme. Yeah. Yes. And it's 
it's, it's too frequently used, but but other than that, the March the Cyberman is is brilliant. Oh, it yes. really is brilliant. But these this, occasionally there's just three notes, and it's it's beautifully sampled from probably pots and pans being hit together. Mm. And there's this is three note or four note to phrase, which is da 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 occasionally as yeah. well. When it's just Mark Hardy will deliver a line, and you'll get that <laughs> yeah. cross cut to Tegan walking around, thinking this is like a movie. With yes. a movie soundtrack yeah. with these little motifs everywhere. You can't help but walk scored. like a Cyberman if you've, got, <laughs> if you've got on your iPod the March of the Cyberman. <laughs> My army awaits, <laughs> Doctor! Oh, I just bit the hair on the back yeah. of your neck stands up, doesn't it? <laughs> and there's a great use of, sort of the clangs and the bangs yes. and the crunches, and they're all kind of yeah. just behind or, or, or in front of the beat, mm. which makes it... Just, just, just gives it kind of a, an edge, mm. which you wouldn't get you know, from Dudley Simpson. You know, but the whole thing is is, is so fresh. Yes, it's just it, it's, fresh, it's, it's a percussive yeah. score. It's a staccato score. There's not really much music. It's mostly uh, beats, isn't yeah, it? it is. And crashes. It's, you could do it on a drum kit, a synth drum kit for you, Charlie. Yes, with I the have, samples from Earthshocks. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what would we Let's give it in the hit parade? How many cyber helmets out of five Ooh, do we nice. give this one? Mm. Oh, five, no question. Five for me. Well, um, I, uh, I look as I knew we talked about Earthshock before, so mm. I wondered what I'd given it the last time. And I, the last time we talked about it, I'd given it four. Oh, out of five. So I went and rewatched it, and I thought, am, am I going to change my mind? And one of the other things was... Like, <laughs> Goodness for the knife edge! <laughs> Don't keep us in suspense! <laughs> you know the bit with Tomb of the Cybermen where they're breaking out oh, of the tombs? Beautiful. And in the invasion where, where, where they're tearing out of the costumes mm. and then coming out of the sewers. You've got that again yeah. with, um, with Earthshock. But better. Yeah. yeah. It's the best kind of Cybermen merging out of things. And Yes, we've talked about a couple of moments but um, it's like Tom always says we're not judging I Claudius or Edge of Darkness we're judging Doctor Who mm. so yes I, w- I will up it to five because Fantastic. it is a Stonewall classic uh, and it uh, deserves that reverence just to finish off last time we had a recording session with the menagerie we, we went to the pub and got we got shit faced mm. and we came back at that's two, not we, like us no <laughs> unusually yes, we, came, we came back at two, two in the morning yeah, again, I said to like Sam us. just put on a shot and we sat and we watched it in silence. And then right at the very end, it's, it finished. I turned to you and said, that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and I went home. <laughs> Taxi for Charlie! <laughs> yes. He left to the theme of... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Actually, he left to Stone Cold Silence because of the rolling credits he walked out. <laughs> oh, we were all weeping. Oh, oh, about that, isn't that a... A Coronation Street uh, reference. I believe it's a John Nathan Turner campy ending. So it's a, it works. A thing, yeah. It works for us. But, I, but unlike you guys, I saw it first time round. I saw it on transmission. Ah. I remember after it dying and, and, the, and the, the credits coming up, being very mm. impressed, and my, mm. my parents also being actually quite quite choked up by the whole yeah. thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Did you always watch it with your parents, or did they peter out? At no, some we point? Did. no, no, we did. No, we did. I remember my father saying he liked the new Peter Howell theme tune mm. in, in 1980. Mm. But, but by, by Trial of a Time Lord, were they still watching it with you? Because I because I was in the room at the time, and, and I wouldn't have it any, any other way. I wouldn't have the A-team on. Yes. So no, we watched it together because I was there. Ah. But, but around that time, I was watching it because it was, it was on. Mm. But there came a time when, as you say, probably about 84, 85, when I, because it was Doctor Who, we had to watch it because mm. Charles was in the room. 
Um, but no, it was great. It was very punchy. And when you're nine years old, <coughs> that sort of thing does have an effect. Yes. I could always go back and watch Earthshock. I never tire of seeing it. It's very accessible. A bit like uh, Hot Space. Ah, it is, yes, yes. Which I haven't heard. It's one of the Queen albums that's a a bit of a mystery to me. You look like you're about to have a sheer heart attack out of surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that bombshelling, I don't know about you lads. We've been recording for a while and... uh, I fancy a curry. We're full of crowdens. Oh, yeah, you, can't, you can't really beat a well-prepared meal, can you? Oh, smelling a flower or mm. watching a sunset or mm. getting pissed on a Friday night. These things are what life is all about. Mm. Small, beautiful events. If you enjoyed listening to that twaddle, you can follow us on Twitter at DW Menagerie. That's at DW Menagerie, and we'll be tweeting various photographs of our inside leg measurements and that sort of thing. Doctor Who is copyright of the BBC. No infringements on copyright are intended. Support Doctor Who by purchasing DVDs and CDs and all other media from the BBC. Any comments made by the complete menagerie, <laughs> almost, are all our own. You've been listening to a Sixth Floor production.